What's up, RPG fans? Welcome to episode four of the Switch RPG podcast. I am one of your hosts, Philip, and I'm joined as always by my partner in crime, Gia. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on out there? How has your week been this week? Still busy? This week? Oh, I mean, you know, with the nice weather out there, it's just, you know, you want to get outside, do all the, with me, I got to do yard work and everything, but it's, it's nice getting out. No more snow. Not having to deal with that. I mean, you don't have to deal with that. I got to deal with that. What is snow? Yeah, you have no idea. Also, um, what is yard work? Because I live in an apartment. <laughs> well, you know, I got a little bit of land here. Got a lot of work to do. But it's, <laughs> it's fun getting out there. I love it. If this is your first time listening, ladies and gentlemen, this is the show from SwitchRPG.com that brings you exciting news, upcoming game releases, and all the latest in the world of RPGs on the Nintendo Switch platform. After that, we then read your questions on air and try to answer them if we can. Remember, we are all about community here at the Switch RPG Podcast, so if you want to be part of the show, you can do one of several different things. You can email your questions to podcast at switchrpg.com. You can tweet using the hashtag switchrpgpodcast, Or you can dive into our Discord server at discord.switchrpg.com and post in our podcast channel. At the end of the day, we we hope that you know that we want to hear from you. Gio, we have no housekeeping this week. First time ever. We have a clean house. Yeah, oh, super clean house. Super clean house. So let's just jump right into the news. And first item on the news is actually a slight correction from last week. Because we like to admit when we possibly have something wrong. So last week we reported that we didn't report. We talked. About no, we didn't report. Anything. We definitely we didn't talk. Report. Right. We don't report anything. No. So we talked about the possibility that Pokemon on the Nintendo Switch is definitely going to be Generation 8. But someone in our Discord astutely pointed out that that website that we quoted is not necessarily the most reliable source so take that what we talked about last week with a grain of salt it most definitely could be generation eight nobody is saying that it's not but just be aware that's not necessarily the letter of the law no we just gotta we gotta be careful out there everyone's excited for pokemon um and i get it you know there's a lot of pokemon fans out there but we need to be a little more careful um, and there's going to be a lot of, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, a lot more rumors. Um, and I know that this week there have been several other rumors, but you know, we just got to take it all with a grain of salt. That's for sure. And we just got to wait for the actual people to get on the E3 stage and tell us what we want to know, because it's going to happen at E3. That's also you think so? not a not reli- from a reliable source, but <laughs> I'm just telling you. That when they do it, you can look back and and look at me. Right. And we'll give you nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) All right. This next item is a hot topic for you, Geo. Dark Souls. It is. It is. Yep. Is coming to the the Nintendo Switch, but a little bit later than everything else. It's happened 
once again. Yeah, we got bit by the the switch delay again. Coming from their uh, official Twitter account, due to the nature of causality, whatever that means, we must announce that the Nintendo Switch version of Dark Souls Remastered will be pushed back to the summer of 2018, and with it, the release of the Solaire of Astara Amiibo. Now, I have some theories about this. You know, it could be it could be in development night. You know, it could be a development nightmare. I'm not sure. A lot of people at PAX East played the demo on the Switch. They, no one really reported anything. You know, everything seemed normal. But then we just get hit with this. Again, I have a theory that they may be giving this the Nintendo treatment like they did with Skyrim. I think they're going to be maybe adding some some stuff, like maybe a Link costume or some other Nintendo costume. Um, I don't know. I, I just have this feeling about that. What are, what are your thoughts? I think you bring up a great point. If this... And I'm curious to know if this is a Nintendo side thing or a developer from software side thing. Uh, is it from soft or from soft? Yeah, from software. From soft. Um, I'm I'm, more, I'm 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 curious as to what side it's coming from, because right. if it is Nintendo hoping to make a splash, you were talking about the, that all of that could be unveiled at E3, and so then that's the reason right. for the delay, so that they could Nintendo fire it to unveil it at E3. So my thing is, are we just delaying it for the event? And if so, is that the smart? Is that actually the smartest thing? Because if you have this game that's already come, is already going to be out on your PS4, your Xbox One, your PC, I feel like the thing that the Switch had going for it was, hey, you can play this game portably. It's not going to look as good. Yep. It may not run as well, but you can play it on the go. But now you're going to have to wait at least a month to do that. So now will people who might have gotten the Switch version default for their default console just to play it sooner? And so then is the Switch actually losing out on something? Because I I have a hard time believing that if a person goes out and gets the Xbox version day one on like mm-hmm. what, May 25th or whatever. Yeah, May 25th. I have a hard yeah. time believing if they go, if they run out and get that day one, that Nintendo is going to be able to come out with something at E3 that just makes them automatically want to get it on the Switch after E3. So it's too maybe late. I'm wrong I, I mean, why don't they just tell you now? So if I knew that you know maybe it was going to add a Link costume or something, maybe I would wait. You know, I have no incentive to wait at this point. If I wanted it for Xbox, I could buy it for Xbox. I ha- I don't. I don't really have the need to wait for it. You know, it it just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense other and, than if it's maybe a development problem. Yeah, so it definitely I I don't know, it could be a development problem. It would be hilarious if this whole thing was being held up by the Amiibo. You know, it was like an Amiibo <laughs> development problem. Oh, don't don't knock Amiibos. I do have quite the uh collection here. Nintendo was the first one, I think it was a Nintendo Direct, that announced Dark Souls Remastered, and then they kind of just said, you know, oh, yes, it's coming out for, for everybody. So, you know, maybe my theory does does stand the chance. Just not just not sure. Just not sure. Now, I so the only thing with that theory that smells a little fishy is... Hmm. 
if you knew that you were going to Nintendo fight it, why would you get a month away from the release date of everything and then decide to delay it? You know, like right. if, you, if you knew going in that you wanted some Nintendo stuff in there, I figured that they would probably be putting that stuff in. They could be putting that stuff in at the very end. Well, unless it was, you know, thought a thought of later, you know, hey, you know, can we can we do this? Maybe there's some legality, you know, some legal issues. Why not? Why not release it on the Switch same day as everything else, then come out at E3 and be like, hey, remember you just bought Add on. Yeah, you just bought Dark Souls. Here's a free DLC right. or here is a you know $10 DLC that gets you all this Nintendo stuff. So so then at least the game would be out. And people would actually have it, you know, in their hands. And then it's like, oh, here's something to really be excited about. But I mean, so that kind of leads me to believe that it may actually be something technical. And if it is, that's a little concerning because my biggest thing going into this was that it has to run really well. It has to. I I don't haven't even played those games, but from what I've seen, from everything I've heard, like you don't right. need frame skipping in those games because frame skipping no, I, equals and, death. You know, for and for someone who's never played it before, you don't want your first experience to be that at all. What really irks me is that the this announcement seems really late. You know, in the process here, yeah, this game is like about to come out. You know, you got a month. Basically done. It's, it's got to be done. It should it should be done at this point. Um, it just doesn't. I just don't get it. But yeah, the trend continues, things being delayed. So there you go for all of those who were hoping to praise the sun on May 25th on the go so that you could go out to a cliffside and praise the sun with your switch in hand. You can't do it. And they didn't no. even they didn't even give a solid date. So that was also a little no, weird too. Summer. They just said summer. So that also sort of leads me to believe that things aren't all well in Denmark, you know? Right. And... and- you know, maybe is there something coming out this month that maybe they don't want it to interfere with? I mean, they could have just pushed it back a day, uh, not a day, a month, not a month. You know what I mean? Just a little bit, yeah. just to not interfere with their their release schedule. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. There you got it. All right. So now we're going to move on to a packed little news segment here about Octopath Traveler. There's a bunch of stuff. That game is... Uh, what is the release date on that? July. So that we're, we're we're approaching sort of what I would consider to be the uh, media blitz before getting you know getting close to that release date. I figure we'll probably see a lot more of the cast. In fact, right. we have started seeing a little bit more of the cast. Um, some of the news that's come out this week is uh, Nintendo Everything is, has a little article here about new details for a couple characters in a couple more regions. Uh, I'll quote here. It says, Square Enix released another batch of details and screenshots for Octopath Traveler today. Aside from the latest characters, Hanit and Therion, we have coverage pertaining to a couple of regions. And then it gives some information about those characters and those regions. So if you want to read about that, go to NintendoEverything.com and they've got sort of that roundup there of the things that were covered in that release. Uh, Anything sticking out to you as far as those those things? Here's the deal for me, and I don't know if it's the same for you, Gio, but like 
I'm real. I'm really excited about this game. So it's almost getting to that point where I'm starting to put the blinders on a little bit. I don't want to see new trailers. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to see a lot of things so that when I go into it, it feels fresh and it feels new. So, right. And I think, I think they may be doing this because, um, they don't want it to be confusing. They don't want the learning curve to be to be that steep, which makes sense because I think they did the same thing for Xenoblade Two um, when that when that was released. They kind of released bits of information. You know, Xenoblade has a pretty difficult learning curve when it comes mm-hmm. to their combat. Yeah. So I think that's that's the reason why they did it. Now, I'm not sure. I still don't understand how this game is is going to work. To work, to be honest with you. So, do you play? Are you playing as each traveler one time through? Like, when do their stories intertwine? Does it ever? Do they ever? Do we know that yet? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I believe already in the demo. I believe already in the demo. They fought together. They did fight together. I could be totally wrong, and I know that the listeners will correct me. Maybe I didn't play uh, through that entirely. So I don't know. I don't know. But yes. Okay. All right. So no, neither of us know how it's going to work. That's okay. Once again, I've been going media silent on this. So you bring up a good point. I don't really know how it's going to work, but I would assume that they have their own personal paths and eventually it all winds up together at some point. I would think that it has to, because I'm assuming that all of these different, pieces and characters will be able to you'll be able to put them together in some sort of party so that you can mix and match the different classes and the different styles and the different skills and stuff like that so that's what i'm assuming so and that's what i'm hoping too now man or cell threw down the gauntlet this week oh boy tried to get in a challenge before last episode wasn't able to make it so i said that i would address it here Oh, boy. The gauntlet was thrown down about the name. Man Russell says they have no problem with the name. So here is my response to Man Russell. This is my official, <clears throat> official response call to the challenge. All right. So here's I've already we've already talked a little bit about why I, I dislike the name, but I'll reiterate. Am I, I going to be your hype man here? You can, is, you can definitely I... be hype all you want. OK, sure, sure. So. And this is all in good fun, obviously. But here are my points for why Octopath Traveler is just not is just not a good name. We've talked about it before. So, yep. yes, it is very descriptive for what the game is going to be. Personally, I feel like it's too descriptive. It's too on the too nose. Oh. It's too, like, yep. eight travelers. Like, eight travelers. That's it. So, Octopath Traveler, um, I don't see it going to Octopath Traveler 2. But maybe it could. I don't see that. That seems dumb to I me. Think, right. I think what they would do is they would uh, just extend it. So Oct- Octopath Traveler, Path of something, you know, they could they could do it that way. So eventually we'll just get like a novel for a title. Right. So like, I, I don't well, know. Well, yeah, they do it with tales, tales of this, tales of that, tales of this, tales of this. So it's a possibility. So, just throwing it out there. So I'm a terrible hype man, by the way. You're a horrible hype man. You're playing devil's I, advocate, and you're not hyping because I know that you it? hate the title too. So I do hate it, but and, and for me, it just really is all about the ring of it. Like if I'm if I'm if I'm thinking about this really epic game, Octopath Traveler to me just doesn't 
it just doesn't sit like a Final Fantasy or a Tales of blank, like Tales of Symphonia or Tales of Berseria or something. It just doesn't sit like in those, you know, upper echelon games. Um, so, all, I mean, so you're feeling you're feeling that it's a it's kind of a one off. You know, this 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 might be just this game and then be done with it. If it is, I'm gonna be not happy. You're gonna be upset. I'm gonna not be happy because they. It seems like they've put so much behind it. You've put so much development time, so much hype into it. Like this is right. like new art style, new everything. And if this is just a one off IP, I feel like that's such a waste. And it's it, you've got a lot of talented people behind it. So right. I don't yep. see it being a one off thing. It just it feels like. This is what it feels like. It feels like they put the project name out there. It got a lot of traction. And so they were like, you know what? People recognize it by this name. So let's just roll with it. I think that's the worst possible thing. Literally, it would have taken two or three weeks for people to get used to a new name. And then that would just, that'd be it. We do this with consoles all the time. Like, I mean, we, we didn't know it was the Switch for the longest time. It was the Nintendo it was the NX. NX. And I was right. I was worried that. Because we knew it as the NX, Nintendo was going to go with that, but they didn't. We got used to it. They came out. They explained. Here's why the title is, or here's why the name it is the way it is. In a couple of weeks, we started calling it the Switch. I know a lot of people hated that at the beginning. It it works. It works really well. We got used to it. So I feel like you could have come out and said, "We're dropping project. We're dropping everything. Here it is. This is now known new IP. This. It's now known as this. Get used to it." Like they could have done it because it still would have been. They could have honestly. They could have come out at the direct a couple months ago, and they could have revealed it there. And you still would have had like four months of lead time until the release. So, right there you go. But if you love, if you like the name, good for you. I'm really proud. I mean, it's not going to take away from the game for me. It's definitely not. It's just like really Octopath Traveler. Yeah, it feels a little cheesy. It's too di- too direct, like you had said. It's too Nintendo direct. Yo. Uh, all right, now cool thing about Octopath Traveler, another piece of news coming we've got coming from Nintendo Everything is that the demo was downloaded over 1.3 million times worldwide. That's insane. That seems like a high number. <laughs> you know, I'd have to get some numbers to compare it to, like you know, with other demos out there. But not only was it downloaded that many times. The developer actually took the time to listen to people about what they thought of the demo, and they made changes after that. So that's I, that's the real point, I think, not only to get a feel for the game, but to kind of test it out. It's re- they, did, they did a really good job with that demo. And why it did so well, I, I think it has a lot to do with the company behind it the publisher behind it. Um, the art style is so, so different from what you see out there right now. And I think it's drawing a lot of people in. I really do. I, I'm i pulling this because I just literally pulled this up live here. I've got this from Wikipedia. It does have a source for these numbers. I don't know how accurate they are, how recent they are. But for comparison... Uh, worldwide, Super Mario Odyssey sold 9 million copies worldwide. But then whenever you drop down, that's the, the highest selling title right now for the Switch. But if you drop down, um, ARMS so far has sold 1.6 million. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 sold 1.06 million. 
So right now, it's outsold Xenoblade Chronicles two, and I feel like that was a pretty big success, you know, for right. a, for a JRPG on the Switch uh, from that studio. So there you go. There's sort of where 1.3 million sits, and that's just the demo. I will that. I wonder what the will final that, sales will. Yeah, be. exactly. Will that convert to one to one to sales? Probably not. I mean, people are going to pick up a free demo just to try something. And it's not going to necessarily that demo probably didn't sell everybody on the game on the concept. So, but I still think it's very impressive for a demo. Mm-hmm. And like you said, and that kind of has like a, a an audience where you know for an RPG audience. You know, I don't, I don't think you'll get someone who's really into sports to download this and play it. I think your 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 audience is pretty specific in this in this case. Geo, you don't so, know. They could easily have like a blitzball section in there, and then all the sports people will flock to it you, and play blitzball. You would lose your mind if there was a blitzball section in this. I mean, I would have because Waka. it's like, how would you do it in two D like that? Imagine have a having Waka come over here and, and play <laughs> Final Fantasy Ten. Ain't happening now. What's interesting, and you brought it up a little bit, was that these numbers, though, are, are cool and everything. But the thing that's really impressive to me is the, is the response that the development team had to the players. After they played the demo, they had the, uh, the survey, and yep. a, a lot of the players gave them some feedback on things that they just really didn't like. And they came out with a video. Because I... They're, they could have easily just changed things and never said anything. Just like, mm-hmm. except, all right, got the criticism, changed the stuff, then released the game. But they came out publicly and said, this is what you didn't like about it. This is what we're doing to change it. So to me, that was great messaging, great stuff from a developer, very transparent, very brave to openly admit, look, this is what we got wrong. Here's what we're going to do to fix it. So bravo to that team. Yeah, you could consider it a beta, you know, beta testing. Exactly. And then last piece of Octopath Traveler news is that it's getting a four-disc original soundtrack. Audio listeners, because you're the only type of listeners, (laughs) I'm rubbing my hands together right now in pure joy and anticipation for four discs of absolute beauty and glory. Right, over 80 tracks. That's 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 nuts. <laughs> that's just great. absolutely nuts. It's great. July thirteenth is now the new Christmas. So everybody, uh-huh. change your calendars. Unless you're in Australia, then you can keep it the same. <laughs> it's the new Christmas, so get ready. Four disc original soundtrack in Japan, and it better it better come over to the West, or I'm moving. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that one. You may have to import it. I will move, Geo. <laughs> rather than importing, you'll just I move to Japan. Just move it. I would rather be over there if they won't release it over here in the West. All right. So that wraps up all the news for this week, and now we can move on to games that we have been playing. I have actually picked up my Nintendo Switch this week. I know you guys thought I was going for ESO again, but I made a promise <laughs> to Meatball Sub that I would not talk about it again, so that I would not tempt him any further. So I will not be talking about ESO this week, but I did play Eternal Edge on my Nintendo Switch, and my review for that is forthcoming. Actually, whenever this releases, it probably will be out. So I'm going to 
hold back on some of my thoughts, but I will give you this. It's been a rough go. It's been a rough go. So uh, that's a little tease, a little teaser on my Ooh. thoughts, but they're not all positive. Gio, what you been playing? You're positive, Phil. You can't be doing that. I'm positive, Phil. So like, it takes a lot to get me unpositive. Oh, no. Well, you said you weren't going to talk about ESO, right? But I didn't say that Gio wasn't. Yeah, I I'm, I am playing ESO. You you did get me into it, and I am having a great time. It took me away from Far Cry Five, which I was most of the way done with, and I'll jump back into it. But Elder Scrolls, if you're into Skyrim, if you're into if you're into Elder Scrolls at all, this is just it's. I haven't played Skyrim in a while. And this just brings back all those beautiful memories. You know, the music is there. The the lore is there. I just, I absolutely, I'm having a great time with it. Now, I'm not sure how your play style is. I don't know if you play, actually, no, you do play mostly in third person, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly first person. I keep it old school, um, I guess. I You could always have changed it in the other ones. But I, I play in first person and... um. I'm having, I'm having a good time with it, and 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 I haven't played Skyrim in a while, so this brings back a lot of memories for me. Fantastic, yeah, good. I'm I am glad that you're enjoying it because I I know that I was instrumental in you picking it up. So you, know, you kinda, did you did influence me a little bit, yeah, yeah. Excellent. All right, so now let's move on to the games that are on sale and the games that have been released this week. I know we haven't really been covering sales, but there's a lot of them. So Mm -hmm. hopefully they'll still be around whenever this releases. And if they are, then if any of these fancy you, then uh, go ahead and pick them up on sale right now. We have Revenant Saga for 909, super weird price, but there you go. There's a review, (laughs) official staff review for that on switchrpg.com. So if you're not sure about Revenant Saga, you can always go read my thoughts and make your judgment from there. Then we have Letter Quest Remastered at $5.99. Also, we have a staff review. It was actually a comparison. Meatball Sub compared right. uh, Letter Quest Remastered and another spell something. Spell something. It was another letter game. Another word RPG. Yeah. Another word RPG. So you can go read those thoughts at switchrpg.com. Then we have Nine Parchments for $11.99. Dragon Fang Z. The Rose and Dungeon of Time at $19.99. Darkest Dungeon for $21.24. These prices are weird. And then Fear <laughs> Effect Sedna for $14.99. That was actually a game I was interested in, but read so many reviews oh at boy, launch yeah. that just said that it just felt like it just fell off a cliff face first. And I was really, really disappointed. Yeah, because I played the Fear Effect on PlayStation the original PlayStation and it was a good game, but this, you know, I kind of, like you said, had interest in it and it just, I read, started reading reviews and it just wasn't getting good responses. So I kind of steered clear. In fact, it was very, very, very poor responses. Yeah. So, and once again, like it takes me a lot, it takes a lot for me to be like, I'm just not going to touch it, but I read enough and there was a lot enough, like objective opinions that I, that I trusted that was like, all right, I'll definitely hold off right now. Maybe they've patched some of the things, but I don't know. You can't patch in fun. No, you can't do that. (laughs) 
All right, releasing this week, we've got Saturday Morning RPG, April 23rd. So that released on Monday. This You're listening to this on Wednesday, if you're a good listener. And then uh, also releasing April 24th is South Park, The Fractured But Whole. And I will be picking that up that, at some point. Yeah, that's a fun game. I think you'll like that one. At least the first one was really good. I played a little bit of this one on Xbox, and it was fun. I just wanted it to kind of be like an episode. I just want to like play. I don't want to live in an, in a South Park episode. That's like my dream. <laughs> That's your dream. It's like a fly on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now on to one of my favorite segments of our show, our listener questions. Now you before, can't have favorites. Uh, I know they're all our children. We can't have favorites. Yes, you, can't. you know your parents had a favorite. Me, but I mean you're not supposed to have favorites. I was I was the firstborn, so they got it right the first time, and then they just never reached that they, level. Of they awesome. couldn't replicate that. No. Yeah, okay. Bad. Before we actually jump into our listener questions, we did have a response to our side quest question from last week, which was about uh was about um the definitions of rpgs what defines an rpg and we had a reaction from smack d smacked smacked don't act like you didn't come up with smack d that was your idea so if that was wrong that was on geo Um, that was on me so uh he said he or she says just finished last week's podcast as for the question about what makes an rpg I try to be as inclusive as possible. I don't like people getting up on a high horse and saying, nope, that's, nope, not an RPG, because, reasons. In my honest opinion, Zelda is absolutely an RPG. Always has been. It was even marketed as such somewhere in the NES slash SNES era. If I had to come up with an actual rule, though, it'd be in the Justice Potter Stewart vein. Quote, I know it when I see it. If it feels like an RPG and someone wants to call it an RPG, then it's an RPG. Thank you, SmackD slash Smacked for that response. Gio, you got any you got any thoughts? Yes, yes, thank you. Um I appreciate the responses. I absolutely love the the responses. Although I don't agree with it, Zelda Zelda to me will never other than Zelda 2 on the Nintendo. They're, they're they are not. I'm sorry. They just they're just not an RPG. Now, as far as you know, if you want to take the Justice Potter Stewart, you know, I know it when I see it. If it feels like an RPG and someone wants to call it an RPG, it's an RPG. If it's a sports game and it feels like a sports game, I'll call it an RPG. It just doesn't. I don't know. It can't. That's just. That's just this being you know subjective i i guess at that point um you know i'll call it an action game with rpg elements i'm okay with that but you know i need my my clear defined lines maybe just that's my age i need i need clear lines and yeah zelda's not there when i read this all i heard was validation for Philip. Validation. It was validation yeah. for Philip. Zelda's an RPG. Tomb Raider's an RPG. Batman Arkham's an RPG. Because I want him to be an RPG. So thank you, Smack D, for backing up what I said. So now we can move on. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I do I do appreciate it. I actually love these responses. Uh, well, the absolutely responses. love them. Yeah. 
All right, so first question's from Mitch Childs from Discord. He says, listening to the episode now while I'm at work, I've got one I wanted to hear everyone's opinion on. Hearing them, being the cast, the very handsome cast, mention yes. Guild Wars on the podcast made me think of this. How do you feel about not being able to jump in video games? How do y'all feel, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and they fixed that problem in Guild Wars 2 where you could actually jump and then they had all these vantage points. Did you play Guild Wars 2? Absolutely. Okay, so they fixed it where you, I forget what they're called exactly, but you can get to these vantage points and kind of it gave you a nice cinematic where you could actually see see the city or whatever whatever it was. Now, for games not including jump, it, it bothers me. It does bother me. And you see it a lot in older, definitely older turn-based RPGs. For example, in Pokemon, you know, you see this little wall, this little cliff, and it's a boundary, and you, you can't you can't go by. But you see something there that you want to get, and you can't get it. That's a two D game, so it's a little a little different. But when you have these three dimensional games and you can't jump, it changes. What's the word I'm looking for? It changes the the height. You know where you can't. Shoot, what's the word? I'm looking uh, for? It, it, it changes to me like the not the scope, but kind of like you know. I mean, it it, changes it shrinks the, down the world. Yeah, the verticality. You know, I mean, yeah. it it is a little. That's bit, the word I'm looking looking for. Verticality. That's mm -hmm. uh, that's the exact word I'm looking for. So, yeah, you're, you're playing these games and you can't you can't jump. You're kind of limited to the floor. I don't know. I, I mean, if I see a wall and I know my character can just roll over the wall and you're just limited to it, it's just, it kind of stinks. It does. I, and I know that this is probably a not a good thing, but honestly, if I start a game and can't jump, I just immediately feel claustrophobic. <laughs> and I do actually have a pretty bad claustrophobia in real life. And so like it, I do feel so restricted. I still, I, 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 it's like, I can't, I can't do what I want to in the game. Now I, I will say that my favorite game of all time slash the best game of all time, Dragon Age Origins did not allow you to jump and neither did Dragon Age uh, two allow you to jump. And I will say that I hated that I could jump in Dragon Age Inquisition. I actually hated it because <laughs> in Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2, the space bar was what allowed you to pause the game for your tactical combat so that you can issue orders and stuff like that. It was the space bar. Guess what button this is jump on most games? Um, the space bar. Can I guess? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I want to... I wanted to guess, but you ruined it. You okay, ruined it. it's the space bar. Mm -hmm. And so I had to switch, jump to like control or something so that I could have the tactical combat as space bar in Dragon Age Inquisition. So jumping in that game actually ruined my experience. And I'm being a little dramatic, but I mean, for the most part though, I'm, I'm totally with Geo, man. It, it, feels like, it feels like the world is a little bit smaller, especially in an MMO. And... Like after playing Go Wars Two and Go Wars Two, it seemed like they they made an absolute point. Oh, that you can jump. You, they did jumping puzzles. Exactly, exactly. Oh, 
<clears throat> you you couldn't jump in Guild Wars 1? Well, here's an entire world, and we're going to base entire mechanics on the act of jumping. You've got your jumping mm-hmm. puzzles. You've got your diving spots. You've got your uh, those vantage points that you were talking about. You just, you've got little treasure chests at the top of mountains. Here you go. Here's your world. Go jump in it. So in a game like that, it would really feel smaller if you couldn't jump. And so... I remember being younger and playing MMOs that allowed you to jump. And as soon as I got to MMOs that did not, it felt so constricting and so restrictive. So I prefer jumping in games unless it's my Dragon Age games. And and that may be because of the type of game it is. Because some some types of games don't necessarily need jumping. Like if it is a tactical right. game. And I've always kind of played my Dragon Age a little bit more tactically, not action oriented. I mean, right. but like, can you imagine if Breath of the Wild didn't have a jump button? No, that would limit that game tremendously. Exactly. You so know, the exploration it, is just nothing yeah. at that point. Now, there are times where jumping will get you into trouble. You know, you're climbing a mountain, jumping up a mountain, and all of a sudden you're either in the mountain or you're stuck in a crevice or, or whatever. So the exploration part of it, well, when you can jump, Kind of gets you in trouble sometimes. I mean, you were just talking about Skyrim there. Well, yeah. If you're on a horse, you can climb anything, though. Uh, now, I will say that just because there there is jumping in games does not necessarily mean that it's good jumping. There are plenty right. of examples of bad jumping in games. And, in fact, a game that I really like that had terrible jumping was in Blade Chronicles 2. It felt so floaty and airy. Uh, and you didn't play... Did you play Xenoblade Chronicles X? No. It's even more floaty. Yeah. Uh, well then, I mean, I don't know how you didn't just jump and then, like, leave <laughs> the surface of the planet. because Yeah, well, the, they explain it, you know, with the gra- the gravitational pull is a little a little different, mm. I guess. Okay, okay, all right. Get science <laughs> on me. All I know is, mechanic-wise, it was really floating in, in Zimbabwe Chronicles 2, and there were sections in that game where they wanted you to jump. Like, it, it was yeah. verging on, here's you, like, a jumping exercise or puzzle, and it was just awful. It was... I was really bad at being uh, precise with it, and that yeah. that will that will almost infuriate me as much as like not being able to jump at all. So, yeah, yeah, I could see that. All right, Geo, hit us with that second question. All right, Captain Vulgar from Discord, with the new Pokemon Switch game likely and heavily hinted to be announced this week. What's everyone's hopes and expectations? Now, again, take this all with a grain of salt. We do not know if it will be announced or any... We don't know if there will be any announcement this week. But as far as hopes and expectations, Phil, I know you are you don't really play too much of the Pokemans. Um, but I, for one, want something different. I am tired of Pokemon being the same... Pretty much the same iteration at every release. Um, obviously you have your Pokemon dungeons, you have the Pokemon snaps. So you have different, um, sub, sub Pokemon games, but typically every generation, they're the same game to me with updated graphics. I want something a little different, maybe change the battle mechanic. I think that'll make a big difference. Um, make it, I don't know. Again, not just not just lipstick, not just graphically change, because that you're gonna have happen because you're dealing with a whole new you're dealing with a whole new console. So you're gonna get you're gonna get that. So I th- I think there's this is the opportunity for change now that they're making a regular Pokemon game. 
on a console, which they haven't done, I don't think at all. Everything's been mostly handheld. Because we never had one for Wii or Wii U or GameCube or anything. No. No, I mean, like I said, you've had your your different iterations with the Pokemon Dungeon and, and Snap and and all those. Those have been consoles, but as far as your regular Pokemon game, those have all been handheld. So I think they have the opportunity to change change some things. So yeah, maybe different battle mechanics. Maybe I think they're gonna they're gonna be heavily influenced by Pokemon Go. I think they're gonna they're gonna add some influences from there they're going to take it its successes and move it along to this new to this new console um game so would you expect some like network connectivity like i would hope so yeah i would hope so um i mean they 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 kind of did that with uh with the other ones with your uh, street pass um you could trade now you could also battle each other. So, I mean, there was already some of that to be, to, you know, I think starting at the DS, you could always do that. Now, as far as how much, how further, how much further they'll take that, I'm not, I, I don't know. I don't know what else they could do. Maybe, you know, you could always add tournaments and, and things. But I, again, I'm just, I just want something different. It's been the same for, I want to say over 20 years now. So let's progress a little bit. Well, I think too. I hope. I hope it's not to its detriment. But I think you wanting it to change is not necessarily an isolated thing. I think because you hit it on the head, like it is coming to a console now. Now I know that it's it's technically still a handheld, but like this is the mainline Nintendo console, so it is like welcome to the big it's, time. You know, it's like yeah, welcome it's playable to, on a TV. Yeah, yeah. So it's playable on a TV. So I think that there are some natural raised expectations and i don't think that's a bad thing i think you know look you're you're on the premier nintendo piece of hardware with hopefully what is the premier nintendo networking system and online system so i think that there are some natural greater expectations with this title and i hope that they come to play you know so uh, here's what i would hope and hope from this thing here's my hope and expectation I just want it to be really good. I just want it to be really well accepted too. And I know that that seems like a really cheesy answer, but let me explain myself. Because I am getting into this for the first time, since I expect this to be my first Pokemon game, I really want to get in on something that is really resonating with the actual Pokemon fan base. I don't want to get on and on something that every is very divisive and everyone's complaint or like a lot of people are complaining about because I like to be in when things are just really positive and the vibe is really good. I mean, like some of my favorite gaming memories actually came like last year when Breath of the Wild was just blowing everybody's minds. And I just love hearing stories and love hearing experiences from the game that I can then go in my game and experience the same things or completely different things. And then we can come and compare and contrast our experiences but the fact that almost all the stories from like Breath of the Wild were positive, it just, to me, just I felt like part of a really, really nice community. And so that's what I'm hoping for this Pokemon game is that the one that I come in on is something that we can all get around and be excited about and not yeah. divided about and complaining about yeah. certain things, you know? You're, you're right. The Pokemon community can be, can be a little harsh, but you're right. You, I think... 
it could it, it it needs to be something where it would keep them happy as well as bring in some new new people. That would obviously it would just it would only benefit them to do so. So whether or not they'll they're going to do it, we have no idea. No idea. My other hope is that it comes out this year, like later this yeah. year. Because I, I think yeah, I, I think like it's not going to be afraid to release around like Red Dead Redemption because it's its own no. animal. You know, it's its own thing. Yeah. It's its own monster. Uh, because it's technically different different demographic. Even if even if there's some overlap, I still feel like people are going to get Pokemon, even if they're getting Red Dead. Because why not? Because like the Switch is its own thing, right? And the thing is, Pokemon is an event. It's an event on its yeah. own. And even though I haven't necessarily partaken of it myself, I, I've been around people my entire life. I mean, it's it's a community. It's an event. It's it's a thing to be celebrated. And it's it's going to be a game that pushes console sales so what my hope is is that it comes out this year because i want 2018 i know GameStop's already teased it but i want 2018 to be you know almost as exciting as what 2017 was i don't think it can be as special because we're not getting a zelda and a mario game in the same year but i do want it to be really good and really positive for nintendo so my hope is that it releases sometime this year yeah um I don't think it's going to come out this year. I have a feeling it's going to be 2019, early 2019, because I think Smash Brothers, Smash is going to come out before before uh, Pokemon. And I think Smash could easily, as like you were saying, easily compete with Red Dead. It has its own community. It's a different type of game, so you're not going to worry, have to worry about that much competition. Um, so I think I think you'll see a Smash before you'll see Pokemon relatively close i mean that's not that's not a terrible strategy either because we've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of games the past few years come out in that like february like january february slot and do really well right so i don't think that's necessarily a a bad thing especially if smash is coming out you don't want because that's where the that's where the overlap could happen right so you have those two major switch releases now you could have smash a little bit earlier in the fall like a mario odyssey what was that october when was that yeah. and then you can Late have october a, i think yeah uh, and then like xenoblade chronicles came out what december ish so yep i mean they did do some pretty big things but i will say i'm not putting them on the same level right so like smash is an event pokemon's an event xenoblade chronicles 2 while there was a lot so there was a it was a, a niche for it I, I i'm not nec- i'm not definitely putting it on the same you know category as a pokemon so i think i think what you're saying makes a lot of sense smash is another game i'm hoping has a lot of positivity i hope it's you know you sort of universally loved because i i just love being in that excitement you know and i think smash is one of those things that can create that all right next question is coming from kevin co from twitter and he he or she says i'm do you guys think that multi-platform games will start coming out on the same date for the Switch as they do for the other systems? Or does it even bother you? Gia, do you think that they will start doing this? I think as time goes on, when these developers get a hang of developing on the Switch, we will start seeing 
them on the same release date. At least I hope so, because the next his second question does it bother me? It does bother me. It does bother me that it comes at a later date, and some of these games are even a higher price. Now, obviously, that's a different different topic um, altogether, but it, it does it does bother me that that we're seeing these releases, you know, months after the the other consoles. It does bother me. Oh, it bothers me too because I believe in Switch. I believe in Nintendo. And I feel like if Nintendo wants to be taking, taken seriously alongside like Sony and Microsoft with their consoles, if you're going to be taken seriously, then these games have got to come out at the same time. I mean, if you, if you want to be one of the big three, then we can't have this situation where your games are coming out months after. Do I think that, that will start happening? I don't know. I'm actually kind of concerned that we're we're here and it's still and we're still getting those delays. Um, that's one reason that the Dark Souls thing concerns me a little bit because that's that's the thing is like I was really hoping that a Dark Souls was going to be that coming out party for third parties and also for games that are a little bit more technically, you know. Uh, a little bit more technically uh, heavy, you know? And so Res- I was resources. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, I was hoping that was going to be the coming out party for, Hey, the switch is here and it's here to play and it's here to play games that you didn't think it was going to. Oh, but wait, we're having to delay it because of something causality, right? So because of the nature <laughs> of causality, whatever that means. So that is a, that is a bit disappointing that, we're, we're here and, and this happening now to your point, we start, I guess we still are pretty early on and, and I guess developers are still trying to figure out how to develop for that architecture, but I guess I'm just going to be frustrated until they figure it out. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was, I was just going to hit on, you know, we saw, we see this with, uh, with dragon quest, you know, they were working on the game. I don't think they were intending on releasing for the Nintendo Switch, but they were working on an older version of Un- was it Unreal Engine. Yeah. Okay, so they're working on an old, older version of Unreal Re- Unreal Engine, and so are these other guys. It seems like everyone's kind of been working on this older. <laughs> this is my thought that everyone's been working on this older version of Unreal Engine, and then all of a sudden the Switch comes into play, and now that adds a whole prospect of problems, or you know, I'm sure there's different issues. So that may be why we're seeing the, obviously that's got to be the reason why we're seeing delays, you know, development problems um, with the upgrade in, in, in there, in the engine. Cause I'd have to go back and look, I don't know if we're seeing the problem on other engines. I would think that we are not just unreal. It's not an unreal engine problem. It's just everybody's engines are all needing to be updated because they've been working on these older versions. We'll call them older versions. So it, it does make sense. We'll have to see, uh, you know, how long has this bit Switch been out? It's been out for, what, just over a year? Yes. So we'll have to see, hopefully next year, this we won't have to deal with this. And, and to answer the do I think that they will, yes, I think eventually they will because uh, developers are smart. They're adaptable. They'll figure this thing out. I think I, I'm just caught up in my own frustration that, 
I really want this thing to do well. And it is doing well. I'm not saying that it's, yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah. but like, I, I feel like to succeed and to be taken seriously, because I don't want this to fall into the Wii U trap of nobody wants to put things on the switch. And I don't think that they will. I think that there's already enough goodwill. There's already enough units out in the wild to say that it's a viable, a viable place, a viable platform for those games. It's just like, I, I don't want there to be too many, uh, you know, trips along the way. And so I feel like these delays are, they're trips and I don't want too many yeah. of them as these things are coming out. Yeah. I mean, we're like, I had mentioned, we're still early in the switch life cycle. So, you know, come next year, if we still continue to see this, it's going to, it's going to be an issue. Yeah. So Geo's message is calm down, Philip. Calm down. It's okay. It's okay. We're still in the take first it, year. Yeah. Take it easy, dude. Chill out. All right. Uh, hit, hit me with that last question for tonight. All right. Phineas Fool from Discord. Um, all right. Here's a question. Do you guys consider JRPG a style or just where the game is made or developed? I think this is a fantastic question. This is just an amazing question. Um, I think that it's a style personally. Uh, I, I want to go ahead. What, what do you think? And then I can give my reason. Um, I mean, <laughs> just, you know, just talking about dark souls, right? That's a, I don't consider that a JRPG that's made, but the game is developed in Japan. So just, just that example alone tells you that it's not where the game is made. It's more, it is more of a style. I, I, that's what I feel. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, that is, this is a great example. And you, you playing dark souls can sort of back up what I'm saying here. But if you go, if you look at JRPGs versus Western RPGs, cause that's like, that's like the dividing yeah. line. Right. So for me, JRPGs are a lot more l linear and there's a greater emphasis on like a linear, a linear narrative, Right. And, and your party of characters, because there usually is like a party of characters, are along for that ride. And you're you are playing as other people, other characters. Mm -hmm. You're not creating a character. This is tip, this is what I would say typical JRPG. Right. So you have that typical other other characters. You're not creating your own. And it's probably in a party and you are sort of along for this ride. Now, there might be varying levels of exploration. There could be. But for the most part, the story is told and you're kind of along for the ride for that. Whereas a Western RPG, you have some varying levels of customization. You might create your right. own character. You might play a single other character. Take like Witcher, Witcher 3. Exactly. You'll play mm -hmm. as, as, as Geralt. Or Geralt. Um, Geralt. Uh, Geralt. Geralt of Rivia. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so you might have that situation. Uh, but for the most part, we find a lot of open worldy games or open worldy settings in Western RPGs because then the stories themselves, a little less linear. You might right. have a lot of side stories, uh, thinking like Skyrim, for instance. Yes, there is like the Dragonborn quest line you could say that that is the main quest line but there's also like the right. civil war quest line which is like the main quest line and the elder scrolls games are sort of riddled with all of these different side stories that 
that flesh out the world as a whole. So that happens. You'll see that a lot. You see that a lot in Witcher. Yes, there's that main storyline, but then there are like there are quest lines in Witcher three that are like the size of some games, you know? So that is to me, that's a very Western feature. Yeah. Just being the open worldy action adventure. I, again, action adventure ish RPG ish games. Yes. That you definitely see that in a Western RPG and the JRPGs, you hit it right on the head. Most, most of them, and I'm trying to think of one that doesn't have a party mechanic. And I can't think of one off the top of my head. But most of them, yeah, they're very narrative-driven, party-driven styles. I, would, I, I don't disagree at all. I, I think, I, you know, I'm not even, even going to bring it up. I was going to say, like, Lightning Returns. But honestly, that, that took a lot of Western features and, and tried to put it in a Japanese thing. But okay. um, but also you, you talked about we see we see turn based combat or some style of turn based in JRPGs right. a lot. Now I know that there like are real time, yeah, or yeah, yeah, and there are different different battle battle styles. I know like the Tales of series is a little bit more action, uh, but you do in the in the JRPGs you do see a lot more like actual turn based or maybe like grid based. And in the Western, we do see a lot of action oriented. Now, you might still have like a skill system. Let's take like a Dragon Age, for instance. But for the most, because then, because then it gets into different styles of Western RPGs with like the dungeon crawlers and, and different things like that. But, yeah. you know, I mean, we're drawing in really broad strokes here. But I know for yeah. my, my very plain answer, to me, it's definitely a style and not just a geographic. I would, I would say it like this and i hope this comes out right a jrpg if you if, if you could relate it to like a puzzle like you, you know get a thou- like a, a thousand piece puzzle and then a western rpg is a pinball machine so in a jrpg you can put those pieces you know in you know in somewhat of an order you know you have they fit together in a to complete the puzzle in a pinball machine the ball is just everywhere, 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 and I guess the game the game would end. So I don't know if that analogy makes sense to you, but that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. So here's what I'm taking from that analogy is that in the puzzle Structured, you, more structured. You, you are you are piecing together what the developer has already put in there, right? So that story right. at the end, that story is going to look just like the developer planned it to just how that artist planned for that picture to look. You just happen yes. to be piecing it together and they might give you varying levels of, of choice on how you want to piece that together. But at the very end, it looks the way that it looks. Whereas for the most part, Western RPGs, that adventure is the story. It is the, where you the go experiences. It's the exploration. It's the experience is the thing, right? You're thinking like a Skyrim, a Witcher. Um, I don't know how linear dark souls is, but like, you know, you know what I'm saying. So, like, there's yeah, varying yeah, yeah. levels of these things in both in both areas. But I, I I like that analogy because for me, like, what I was saying is you're along for the ride of the story and the character stories, mm-hmm. and that is you're piecing together this puzzle with this picture that the developers already painted, and you're just discovering it as you piece it together. I'm glad it made sense. 
All right, and that actually wraps up all the questions that we have. Thank you so much for those who asked them. Remember, we welcome all the questions that you have and uh, we'll be happy to answer them if we can. I know sometimes we're like stumbling over like, oh, I don't, I don't know. But we, we thoroughly enjoy, I enjoy getting questions because it makes me think about things that I may not normally think about. Um, and then it also makes me think about things in ways that I normally wouldn't think about. Right. Uh, and remember now, if, and also, I'm sorry if we've missed a question, you know, cause there's sometimes there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of dialogue going back and forth. And if we've missed a question, reach out to, you can definitely reach out to me, Phil. I'm sure he feels the same way. Let us know, Hey, what do you guys think of this? And we'll more than, uh, more than gladly handle it. In fact, that is a, a fantastic point. Uh, and I will, I'll post this in the discord too. If you can, if you're in Discord and you want to ask us a, an official question for the show, if you're on the if you're on the podcast channel, if you will, before your question, uh, type in exclamation point question. So like exclamation question, and then what that will help us do is I'll search for that. I'll search for exclamation question because people shouldn't be typing that in everyday speech. So do right. exclamation question. And then type in your question. That will kind of help us search for it. Um, so that'll be a good way for us to make sure that we're not missing anything. But yeah, like Gio said, if if we ever don't get to your question on this episode, on this episode, just let us know. And we'll catch it next time around. That's already happened in the show one time. And yeah, we'll we'll, we'll we will not. Uh, it doesn't matter to us. We can we can go to it um, on on the next week or whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. So Gio. Are you ready for this week's side quest? I am so ready. We need to come up with some some music here, I think. What are your thoughts? Oh, well, definitely. For a side quest? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't need to be like sort of I don't know. You're, you're the one who you're the kind of the one who has to deal with it, but it would be fun. Anyways, um so, our side quest. All right. I kind of stole this from Xbox magazines uh, Twitter. Um but here we go. Microtransactions and loot boxes in video games. Are they pure greed or a modern necessity? Everyone has a thought on this. What's yours? Geo, I do indeed accept your side quest. Yes. So, are they pure greed? I think that's the key word. The extremity of pure, I think, is a little too far. I, I mean, mm-hmm. look, a business's core goal is to make money. And if you think that they're out there to take care of you or to look out for you, yes, they might do some of those things, but its core goal is to make money. So there is going to be an element of greed in any business decision. And this is a business decision. Why do these things come up? If if you're one of those people that are complaining about these things uh, and you don't like them, here's the thing. There's obviously plenty of people out there that do like them or at least they partake in them because these things wouldn't be here if the market didn't say that they should be. didn't allow for it exactly because if people didn't buy them then it'd be in a couple of games and the developers would move on so these things are obviously generating vast amounts of money because not just one developer is doing them but it seems like every developer is doing them so i don't think it's pure greed i just think that it's it's business that's what it comes down to is business so of course um, is it a modern necessity that, 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 that comes down to the gamer? Do you feel like whenever you pop in a game, do you feel like you need that 
loot box system in there for you to be able to enjoy that? Do you want to, you know, have a game mechanic where you're rolling the dice to see if you're getting this, you know, outfit system or something. And if you don't, then it's like you get this sense of disappointment, but Oh wait, you know, let me throw in another couple dollars and see if I can, if I can get it this time. I mean, if you, if you ask me, I mean, it is sort of, it's, it's really playing on that sort of sense of addiction that we get, you know, with like games and things like that, you know? So I was just going to mention, um, that's what exactly where I was going to go with loot boxes. Now this can hit on, hit on an addiction, an addictive thing here where, you know, people can't control themselves. So they, they're kind of taken advantage of it. Unfortunately, that's kind of a, of what they're doing, but I mean, microtransactions. What sometimes what I feel like is they're they're leaving things out of a game that they could have added for free, and I think that's where people kind of get up, upset. Is you have, for example, in Metal Gear Survive, that game's ta- taken a big hit critically with all the microtransactions, where you even pay extra for additional save slots. Now that's just it, that. For something like that, that's when pure greed takes over. Is is things that are common in games like save slots are hidden behind a paywall. Now, microtransactions, when they're purely cosmetic and don't ultimately help you, it's not a pay-to-win system. I have no issues with. For me, when I play a game. And their micro, the microtransactions are cosmetic. I won't purchase them because I don't care what my character looks like. To be honest with you, that's just how I am. Now there are people who will go ahead and spend money on it, which is fine. That's their prerogative. They can certainly do so, but I won't do that. Now, in battle, uh, Battlefield, that took a big hit as well initially, but they kind of rolled things back. They kind of made it. So the game in the game you progress a little quicker. Um, the the loot boxes I believe now are more cosmetic. So I think they've taken the road that they should have taken beforehand, obviously. And I think that's the the way it should always be. It should be cosmetic. It shouldn't be pay to win unless it's a free to play model, and that's their only source of income. So you know you kind of have both sides of the fence here i think i think you you really you're bringing up something important with metal gear survive is there is there a moment where it does turn pure greed yes i think that there's those instances where it does but to my point i think if there are enough people that complain about that about like the safe slot thing then we'll never see another game with that Right, because there was right. such a backlash that the the economy and the system will work itself out. So you're gonna have those instances, you were... yeah, where that pure greed will pop up, and people right. will try to put things too far, you know, behind a paywall or something, or too many mm-hmm. things. And yeah, there are so many games. There are some games that they go too far with it, and it's like mm-hmm. you, like you, you've obviously you created the the assets for whatever this is, whatever like gun this is or something, and you've you've created the mechanic for it. You've built the game around it, but you're just putting it behind there because you know that some people will will pay for it. Right. That's that is definitely right. greedy. 
you know, to your point, that's yeah. definitely greedy. I just think if you can get enough backlash and enough people don't support it, I think that it will work itself out. Um, I am totally with you on things being cosmetic and, and that being microtransactions. I think that that is totally fine. As long I think as, it's a perfect way to handle it. I think yeah. it's a fantastic way to handle it. And, and in fact, I was actually thinking the other day about Guild Wars 2 and how I honestly think that, that was it's not it's not necessarily the most well renowned or most well known game. And it's not necessarily mm-hmm. the best game out there, but I think that it was really brave and really pioneered this idea of a microtransaction model being the base model of the game uh, of a of a game's business platform. Because right. from the very get-go, it was you buy the game once and then you have it, you know, until you know, new expansions come out and you, you'll purchase that. But as far as a monthly subscription, there is none, you know, as far as, uh, you know, paying for every single little DLC that comes out, you're not necessarily going to, but there are costumes. There are certain items that you can get that are exclusive to the shop. And it was like that from the very, very get go. And I remember younger Philip who had played wow and played, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings online before it was free to play. And I was like, you can't have an MMO and not have a subscription model. Like that's just, it's not, <laughs> it's not going to work, but I mean, Guild Wars did it. And now we're seeing so many other games go that route where these games as a service, you do, you just buy the game. There's no necessary su- subscription, but they're getting so much revenue through the cosmetic stuff from these shops and the micro- microtransactions that it, it's enough to, be the business platform for the game. Right. So as long as it's cosmetic, I, I'm totally for it. And I think it works well. Now, I, I also played a, another, it's an MMO. I consider it an MMO where it's the game is totally free and really all you're paying for are microtransaction, which most of them are cosmetic. But the game is absolutely wonderful. I absolutely love this game. It's Path of Exile. Now, Again, there are some XP boosters, things things of that nature. So I don't consider it a pay-to-win. But for the most part, it's an excellent game. The content is updated all of the time. And most of the, I want to say 90% of the transact, microtransactions are cosmetic. And that game, I don't know if you've ever played it, is, is phenomenal. For being a totally free game, and the, again, there's no monthly... Um, monthly access payment that you have to have. And I believe they do it. They do it right. They definitely do it right. Now I do, I do start to have some problems with microtransactions when they do bleed into these single player experiences and they are things mm-hmm. like XP boosts and stuff like that. Yep. Because then I get, I start to worry if, you know, as the developer you've tweaked with my XP, like, how I obtain XP. And so you're, you're hinting toward, or you're sort of pushing me toward that XP boost in the shop that starts to worry me a little bit. Um, okay. and, and anytime, like in a single player game, I start to see things in, in a store. Uh, I knew there was a lot of concern over the shadow of, of Mordor or shadow of, yeah. um, shadow of war, shadow of war. Yeah with the inclusion of uh, 
the microtransactions in that game since that is like a single player experience. So I do start to get right. concerned a little bit because it's like, you know, what have you done to the way that I obtain XP? And are you hinting towards, uh, you know, your store with those items in there? Um, so, and, and, and to a certain extent, I start to feel like with a store, like in a single player game, it starts to get a little muddy. Like it's not as clean. Like, you know, I just right. like my games to be clean, and that's just another element that's sort of muddying the waters a little bit. So yeah, when especially in a, like you had said, especially in a single player game, to have an XP booster, it's almost like a race to the end, and and I don't see the enjoyment factor in that. Maybe it's, I guess, like I said, a race to the end where you just want to have everything sooner. I don't know that that doesn't do it for me. Mm. It really doesn't. Yeah. Um, and I thought. I thought with the, this big battlefront, you know, how everyone was kind of protesting. You saw all these stupid uh, change.orgs for, you know, uh, battlefront. I thought that was really going to change things. And it really, Metal Gear Survive came out. So, I mean, now, I, I mean, I really felt like there was going to be a, a change. And it really, it, games of, still have microtransactions. Yeah, kind of like with the Switch development. Yeah. So, kind of like with the Switch development. We might we might just have to wait another six months to a year to see how things shake out because Metal Gear Survive could have been, you know, pretty far in development and they'd already like based the business platform on, on those things, you know, whenever all the fallout with, with Battlefront happened. So I, I'm curious to see with like this year's string of, of shooters what's gonna happen mm-hmm. with, with loot crates, with uh with microtransactions, I'm wondering sort of where things are going to fall, what you know, what boundaries are going to be pushed. So I think it would be very interesting this year to sort of see what takes place. And I yeah, mean, I think they'll be a little more careful. Yeah, and also like, I mean, do we need to use Konami as the barometer Ugh. for like smart developer decisions? Because like it could just no. be a Konami problem of this being tone deaf, you know? So right. Oh man, they just ruined Silent Hill for me. That's too bad. Bum, bum, bum. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on microtransactions? No. I mean, sometimes you hate them, sometimes you don't. It's really, it really depends. It, it really does depend. I don't like pay to win. That's for sure. Yeah, we don't like pay to win. That's what it comes down to. And listeners, we do want to hear from you on this topic. We want you to join us on our side quest this week. So if you will, let us know in the Discord server. You can email us. Uh, at podcast at switchrpg.com or you can uh, tweet us on Twitter. Let us know what are your thoughts on microtransactions and loot boxes in video games. Are you for them? Are you against them? Are you in the middle? You don't care. Let us know. We'll read the, if we have more than three, we'll choose the top three responses and read them on next week's episode. Geo, any final thoughts on episode four? I have no thoughts on <laughs> episode four. Um, again, we reiterate this all the time. I want community involvement. I want everyone. I love, absolutely love the questions. I like the responses when we get them. Please continue. Absolutely love it. Gio, what did you think about this this episode being our last hope? Our last hope? Episode four. Oh, <laughs> You confused me for it. You went all Star Wars on me. Was it the pants? You saw my pants. I have Star Wars pants on. Oh, no. I just thought about it being episode four. All right. So uh, we want to, as always, thanks, uh, thank you, Man Herself, for 
uh, letting us use the bumper music for these episodes. For me, it sounds just absolutely amazing, sets the tone for each episode, and I get excited when I'm editing and I hear that awesome Super Mario RPG remix. And once, once again, we would like to thank our Patreon patrons, our front page patrons at the $25 a month level. That is Manny Russell and Mitch Childs. Thank you guys so much. Silent applause on the podcast for you guys. Yes. And that is going to wrap up episode four of the Switch RPG podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent their questions, comments. Keep them coming by emailing podcast at switchrpg.com or posting in our podcast thread at discord.switchrpg.com. Remember, you can listen to the show each and every Wednesday at switchrpg.com or you can sub on your favorite podcast app. Once again, if you listen on an app, we beg of you, please, please, please go give us a rating and a review. We want to climb up those charts on this platform. So your support there would be amazing. And if you like what you hear, remember that you can head over to patreon.com slash switch RPG and throw us a dollar or two if you can spare. But if not, no worries, because you being a part of our community is what means the most to us. And finally, remember, you can head over to SwitchRPG.com for all of your RPG needs on the Nintendo Switch platform. And until next episode, I will see you around. And I'm wearing Star Wars pants, okay, because it's 930. These are my PJs, okay, so don't get no weird thoughts, okay? All right, anyways, see you next week. (laughs) Thank you.